Did I ever tell you the story of how I figured out how to get this particular mic? I had a look around the studios of KUOW here in Seattle and saw everything that they were using and just bought it. I, I was going to say, when they, their back was turned, you walked out with something. <laughs> Good for you, Todd. You've turned a corner in your life, and I'm proud of you. Well, I've left behind that life of crime. Hi, and welcome to a special episode of the GeekWire podcast. I'm your host, GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop, and I'm joined on this episode by a special guest. He's always sitting in on our podcast recordings, but he's not always talking. He's the person responsible for getting this show to your ears every week, our podcast editor and producer, Kurt Milton. Hey, Kurt. Hey, Todd. It's great to be here, I guess, on the on the <laughs> air for a change. Instead of just a silent person. What do you mean, you guess? Well, I mean, you, who knows? You could regret this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm reserving judgment. So coming up on this episode, and the reason that Kurt is joining us, we're going behind the scenes of the GeekWire podcast. We'll be sharing some of the technology we've been using to put the show together. We think this may be valuable, even for those of you who are not podcasters yourself. The last 18 months have been a real AV adventure for all of us requiring us to improve and refine our audio, video, and computer setups. Frankly, just figure out how to get them to work for this new world of virtual meetings and remote work. And, you know, we thought we had it nailed. And then the world threw us this other twist, this whole notion of hybrid recording with some people in person, multiple people in the studio, and one or two people dialing in over Zoom or Squadcast, which is a service we use that we can talk about a little later on. And Kurt, I've been surprised at just how different this hybrid world is. I thought I had it mastered and turns out I did not. We did not. We had to figure it out all over again. It, it seems way more complicated. There's lots of switches and plugs. And uh, I know every week it seems like it's an adventure figuring out how to get people into the right spot. And I do want to mention, neither you nor I were trained in this in school. We haven't gone to engineering school. This has been very DIY. We've figured it out as we've gone along. But we've been doing it for long enough now that I think we've figured out a few tricks that we might be able to share with folks. And I think people out there might have some tips that they want to share in response. And we also have some new Microsoft headsets and microphones that we've been testing, loaner units that Microsoft gave to us temporarily for us to check out and review. We're going to be putting this audio out on a variety of mics. First, Kurt, you are at home. Let's get the lay of the land for your setup. So I'm in my bedroom. I've got doors and windows closed because I'm close to I-5, so I'm trying to block out freeway noise and outside noise. I am using my six-year-old iMac, which is running the current Mac OS Big Sur, and I'm on this uh, Microsoft Modern USB headset to use the correct term that's on the box. That's great. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on as we try out Microsoft Teams. So I'm in the GeekWire studio. This is basically a 10 foot by 10 foot room at our offices in Seattle's Fremont neighborhood. I'm working on a IBM ThinkPad laptop because we had some challenges with our normal studio PC, which is an Alienware desktop Windows PC. But it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't have audio challenges, Todd. So it's just a normal week. <laughs> exactly. As soon as we started to feel smug about our setup, of course, the gremlins popped in. And for some reason, when we first jumped on, that PC was not recognizing any of the mics that I plugged into it. So that's a troubleshooting exercise for later on. Pride goeth before the fall. 
<laughs> I'm speaking into an Electro Voice RE20 condenser microphone, and it's connected to the computer by plugging into a Zoom PodTrack 4 portable audio recorder, which connects to the PC via USB. This is not a cheap mic. It retails for $450. I actually think at the time I found a cheaper version via Amazon warehouse deals, which is a tip. Always sort of look for whether there are refurbished or other types of units that you can get. Now, this is a dynamic cardioid microphone, which is a geeky word for you can't hear your neighbors on the other side of the wall. This is essentially a shape of mic pickup that picks up sound from the front, but not from the back. And so that is one reason why we like it is that even in the studio where I am, where I've got uh, foam up on the walls, it's nice to know that the primary sound it's picking up is directly from my voice in front of it. So you can avoid that echo that you might get in your house. Yeah. And I don't have any of that fancy padding or anything. So I may be echoey. Although you've got a very cushy bed behind you. That's essentially your homegrown sound dampening. So this is an XLR, not a USB mic. In other words, this has the little three prongs in it that you would plug into an audio board. And that's what many high-end mics have. And that's why we're running it through the Zoom pod track, which essentially provides the USB connection to the computer in addition to being a recorder in and of itself. I like this pod track in part because it can combine those XLR inputs from multiple mics, but it also can record separately onto an SD card and then send the audio back out to four different headphone jacks that are individually controlled. So it's very much like a little studio, both for in-person and online recordings and for hybrid recordings right here on the desktop. And that was the fundamental problem that we ran into when we started recording in the studio again recently, when we had like multiple people on our end and a single guest dialing into the computer. You need some kind of gadget, especially if you've got XLR mics, to combine multiple microphones into one signal in those situations. I really like the Zoom pod track. And by the way, this Zoom is not the same Zoom that makes the web conferencing service. Those are different companies. This is the PodTrack P4, and it sells for $220. It's actually relatively cheap compared to a lot of other audio gear that you might get. And the, the Zooms, I found out, are something that uh, NPR people, radio folks use these. They're, it's like it's the standard recording, especially for out in the field type stuff. So good equipment, works great. That's right. I've got a separate Zoom recorder that we used for many years, and it does not offer this kind of USB integration on this level. Uh, with the computer. So we ended up getting a different one for this setup with us coming back to hybrid work. Now, I will say there's a different mic that we end up recommending to people. For example, our reporters or John Cook, our colleague uses this when he's dialing into the podcast. And this one is a USB mic. I really like it. It's called the Rode NT USB Mini. It sells for $99. And Kurt, I'm going to try to plug this in so folks can compare and contrast and see how it sounds. All right, Kurt. So this now is the Rode NT USB Mini. I really like this USB mic. It's $99. It sort of looks like Johnny Carson would have had on his desktop or David Letterman back in the day. And if you can get this one, if you're going to be on a podcast or your local NPR station calls you up and wants you to be an expert, this, I would say, would be the mic to get. It works over USB. 
No, it's not high-end XLR, but it's tiny. It's got a neat little stand. We put it on a full desktop mic stand, but it comes with a shorter stand that you can put up on a series of books to get it close to yourself. I'm not hearing any P-pops, even though this does not have a microphone uh, P-pop shield or, or any kind of foam on top of it, which we use on some other mics. I really like this mic. This is a great mic. We've used it a lot this year, and you were so smart. You jumped on this when the pandemic started, and we knew we weren't going to be in the studio and bought a bunch of these, and the reporters have used them, and um, I think we've even had a few guests on that have something like this, and it, it does great audio for not much money. Rode is great. They do great microphones. They really do. So again, this one does not pick up a lot of external sound from around you, I, so this, this is the Rode. Now, I will say we also use a couple of different mics that have the advantage of having both the XLR and the USB connection. You can do either. And that is the AT2005 USB from Audio-Technica. Audio-Technica has a few different mics with the USB and the XLR, but the AT2005 USB sells for 79 bucks, relatively cheap. We also use the Samson Q2U which uh, is actually $10 cheaper. It's about 70 bucks. So both of those mics are highly recommended. They're not quite as good as the Rode, I would say, but actually, Kurt, at risk of completely screwing us up, let me give you a sense for what the AT2005 sounds like from Audio-Technica. All right, Kurt, so this now is the Audio-Technica AT2005 USB. Again, it sells for $79. I like this mic, nice and cheap. I actually had little foam on it, you know, like a little ball mic foam on it for a while. And I recently switched to a P-pop filter. So we can test that out here. P-pop. Kurt, I like your shirt about Powell's. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Maybe we can get some advertising out of them. <laughs> Powell's City of Books is a perfectly fine bookstore. Okay. In Portland. So, <laughs> exactly. I'm not getting any P-pops from you at all. And oh. The reason we're obsessing about this is that the P-pops are the bane almost as much as squeaky chairs yeah. of any audio <laughs> editing <Sorry>. process. <laughs> and, that, you know, this microphone is interesting. I just, the, the quality of it's a little bit brighter than the Rode. I mean, they're both fine. And it just depends. And it's a little more portable. You could take that out in the field and do stuff with it, I suppose. So, yes, nice. it's very much a handheld. It can be a handheld. It also comes with a little mic stand. Some of the mic stands that they send with these cheaper mics, you know, cheaper, 70 80 bucks are a little weird, but um, to your point, yeah, you could take this out in the field. I like it. Whereas the road is very much meant to be desktop right. only. Yeah. It, it feels like that at least it would be a little weird to shove this Johnny Carson style mic in somebody's face. <laughs> be like, who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> so if I could give you one takeaway on looking for a good mic, apart from if you can getting the road NT USB mini, look for a dynamic cardioid mic. These are the kinds of mics that are going to only pick up from one side. In other words, your voice and not your voice bouncing off the wall behind you. I would really recommend staying away from condenser microphones if you're recording from home. One really good example of a condenser mic is the Blue Yeti USB. And my experience recording with folks who have those, you know, it sounds great if they're right up on it. And they're in a quiet space. The Blue Yeti is awesome. But if you're in a noisy space or you can't quite get the mic right up to your mouth, the audio can be a bit of a challenge on the Yeti. And I know it's a very popular mic and it looks cool. 
it would just not be my favorite choice. Kurt, in much the same way, you and I, I think, have PTSD from one particular headset that a few guests (laughs) have had. Oh, yes. At least the versions of the Jabra headsets that we've run into have had one big problem. And Kurt, as the person who's dealt with this most, I think you can explain it. They're they're very hissy. It, uh, you get a lot of hiss and a lot of sss when people talk. They're really made for phone calls, I think. And they look like this thing I'm wearing, but they're not that good. The microphone just doesn't work. And we have politely asked a few people to just not use them because it just does not work. And you spend a lot of time trying to fix it on our end afterwards, and it's just too much work. That's right. I think the technical phrase for what you're describing, at least as Tom Hanks would say it, is sibilance. Sibilance, Sibilance, yes, sibilance. (laughs) Well, Kurt, you just alluded to this. You are wearing a Microsoft headset. I want to talk about that when we come back and hear what some of these Microsoft audio devices sound like. You're listening to GeekWire. It is a special episode behind the scenes with some of the audio technology we've been using here 18 months into the pandemic and as we transition into hybrid recording and hybrid work. And we'll be right back. Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop from GeekWire. And on this special episode of the podcast, we are taking a behind the scenes look at some of the audio gear and the techniques that we've figured out here at GeekWire in this new world of remote recordings and meetings. For this segment, we're going to be trying out some new Microsoft hardware and peripherals. Now, these are on loan from the company for purposes of review. They're integrated with Microsoft's Teams communication software through a dedicated button and other features, in addition to being general purpose audio devices. I'm going to be giving them a real-world test by calling our podcast producer and editor, Kurt Milton, in Microsoft Teams. Now, on my end, I have a Microsoft USB speaker, and we'll be hearing Kurt over the air through that. And Kurt has, on his end, a Microsoft Modern USB headset. All right, let me push the call button here. Who could be calling? (laughs) It's Todd Bishop. (laughs) All right, Kurt, I got to say, this is very high quality here. So here's what we've got. We are now in Microsoft Teams, and I'm using the Microsoft Modern USB-C speaker. How how big would you say this is? What would you compare it to? It looks like a phone, like it's the size of a smartphone. Or maybe a small video game controller. Yeah, could be. It's not very big. That's pretty impressive. So you're, you're... hearing me and speaking to me through that device. I am. Yeah. So it's, it's echo canceling. So you don't have to worry about that thing that happens usually. Yeah. This is a standalone USB speaker. It's USB C into the computer and it's got this neat wrap around the cord sort of wraps around the base into this little kind of flange thing here at the bottom. 
And I got to say the audio quality on this, I would say if we were ever going to be doing a podcast where we wanted people to not have headphones on, we were just sitting around a conference table and wanted folks to hear this, this is pretty top notch in terms of the, the quality of the audio that's coming out of this. I don't know if it'll translate over the air into the, the mic that I'm using, but boy, it sure sounds good to me. It does. It sounds great. It looks cool. It would be very handy. It's small and it looks like it's portable. So you could take it meeting to meeting with you or whatever you're doing with it. That's that's pretty slick. Microsoft is up the game on their design. It's really amazing what they've come up with in the last few years. I'm impressed. Yeah. Now, Kurt, you're using the wired modern USB headset. Yes, I am. How do you like the fit of it? The, it's not over the ear. It's on the ear, right? It's comfortable. I have no problems with it. It's adjustable, obviously. Uh, you can make it bigger or smaller to fit the size of your head. The little microphone is on a little boom. It's out to the side quite a bit more than I'm used to, but it seems to be fine. And uh, it's nice. I could wear this for a while. I think it's more comfortable than some of the other headsets I've used. All right, Kurt. So this modern USB-C speaker is $99.99, so $100. And it has volume buttons on it. It's got a microphone mute button and it's got a little teams button, which you're able to press to pull up teams immediately. I like this. In fact, obviously with these kinds of review units, we return them, they're loaners, but of the four devices that we've been testing here just in this time, I think this is one that I might actually buy for our office, the modern USB-C speaker. Now, Speaking of headsets, you, as we said, are using a wired USB Microsoft headset. This is their Microsoft Modern USB headset. It's plugged into the computer with a wire. It sounds pretty darn good, Kurt. Yeah, it does. And it has, I think, the same controls that your speaker does. There's a little phone button. When you called me, I pushed that and it uh, picked up the call. If uh, Teams is open on your desktop, but it's minimalized, if you hit the little lit up Teams button, it'll bring it up to the front. There's a mute button, which you can either you know turn it on, or if it's on, if you're muted, you can push it and hold it down and speak for a few seconds if you need to, and volume buttons. So it's nice. It's it's comfortable. It's uh, it's classy looking. I like it's kind of a matte black finish, so it looks good. Uh, very good. I, I'm impressed. Now, over this speaker, I am getting a little bit of sibilance through that thing, but it's not nearly on the level of what we were getting with some of the other headsets that we were talking about. So I think that's more just a function of that headset into this speaker, probably into the mic that we're using on this end. So that Microsoft Modern USB headset is $49.99, so it's $50. I have here with me the Microsoft Modern Wireless headset, which sells for twice the amount of the one that you're using Kurt is using the Microsoft Modern USB headset, and we've also been testing the Microsoft Modern USB-C speaker. We will link to all of those from the show notes. Now, one last segment coming up. You just mentioned Squadcast, Kurt. That gets into what I want to talk about in our final segment, some of the software tools and audio tips and tricks that we've picked up along the way. That's coming up next. You're listening to a special episode of GeekWire. All right, welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with Kurt Milton, our podcast editor and producer. We are going behind the scenes this week of the GeekWire podcast, sharing some tips and tricks, how we've been doing things with the idea that it could translate into your meetings, if not your podcasts and the audio technology and the hardware that you've been using. So we've tested a bunch of hardware. 
gone through a bunch of mics here, Kurt. Let's talk about the software tools that we've been using. First, we are using a recording service that we've settled on called Squadcast. The main benefit of Squadcast, would you say, is that you can record individual tracks and not just have one big audio file at the end? That's a big advantage. Also, the fact that it records locally on your computer, so you get a much better quality. You don't have any transmission gaps, any skips that you get with some of the other services. So that those two things are a big plus in my book. It's interesting. I remember when we were turning one of our webinars on Zoom into a podcast, you found a setting and suggested we enable that setting to record on individual tracks. It was not nearly as neat, in other words, as tidy as the tracks were for Squadcast, if I remember correctly. It does work, but what it seems to do is when somebody stops talking or they're muted, it just stops recording them. So I ended up with uh, files, tracks that were not all equal length, and I did manage to get them all synced up, but it's not something that I would ever want us to use again, please. (laughs) <laughs> so the, the the advantage of individual tracks and individual mics dedicated to those tracks, as you get with Squadcast, is when you're editing, you can reduce the volume of the other person's track. If their dog barks in the background, you don't have to end up hearing it. But if you use just one audio file to record everything, then you end up having to essentially accept all of that. There's no separating it out. And if there's a squeaky chair in somebody's house, then now you can't get rid of that. (laughs) Another tip, Kurt, is something that you, I would say, turn into almost a religious experience at the beginning of every podcast. And in fact, sometimes I do, I am tempted and depending on the guest, I use it as an opportunity to pray. Uh, (laughs) Tell us about your room noise obsession. Uh, well, you, you showed me how to do this when I first started doing this, that uh, the software that we use, Audacity, to edit in has the ability to, if you sample a bit of your room noise with nobody speaking, so if there's something humming or hissing or the refrigerator is running, you sample that and then you can apply that to the entire track and it will reduce and remove that noise. And it's surprisingly effective. We've used it at times when somebody was outside on their phone and it was just horrible, horrible noise and it will just clean it up amazingly quickly. It's really a slick trick. So we have everybody stop talking for 10 seconds at the start of each show and we get some nice silence. Yeah. Did we do that this time around, by the way? No, but it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> We can do it at the end. We should have done a lot of things. but (laughs) I will say the recent guest who shall rename nameless, who right before we started recording said, wait a second, let me turn on the air conditioner. Just about gave me a heart attack. (laughs) It was a problem. And it wasn't on, it wasn't noticeable while we were recording. But later when I went to the audio files, it just jumped right out at me. And it was, it was difficult. It was hard to get rid of it. So yeah, we don't want to talk about that. The problem is even with the noise reduction feature in whatever audio editing tool you're using, there's a big risk of taking out more than the room noise and it ends up sounding really kind of strange uh, in terms of their voice. And so the whole idea is to just get the room noise out and that's why you do the 10 seconds of silence. It sounds like you're on a couple of Dixie cups and a piece of string if you could do it too much. (laughs) So yeah, it's not a good idea to overdo it, but up to a point it's helpful. 
You mentioned, Kurt, Audacity. That is the free open source audio editing tool that we use, mostly just because we always look for areas where we can not spend money if we don't have to. The standard in the industry, I would say, from my understanding and discussions with professional radio editors is Adobe Audition or some form of Pro Tools. Uh, I would say that we are definitely outliers, I would think, in using Audacity. I, I think so. Our podcast is not as complicated as some things are. And uh, I know I talked to some uh, NPR folks here in Seattle, and they were using something called Reaper, which is very powerful too. But everything seems to have its advantage. Um, the Adobe product, I'm told, is really good at clipping those S sounds off the end of somebody's words that you can just zoom right in on that stuff. So everything has something that recommends it. And we like this one because it's free and it's easy and we have just used it a lot and it's great. And it's also cross-platform. So we end up syncing files through Dropbox and it's actually pretty reliable in that way in ways that other sync functions on other programs aren't always. So uh, the project files, if they're fully updated through Dropbox, I can open it up on my Windows PC, close it down. You can open it up after it syncs moments later on your computer, and it has all of the changes that I've made. Yes. Yeah. It's So it's real slick that way. I, we could not have done any of this that we have done in the last year and a half, maybe even five years ago. I'm not sure if the internet was robust enough or if any of these products were robust enough to have done this remote producing and to get this kind of quality out of it. There are times where you just would not know we are not all in the same room, that we're, you know, miles apart from each other. It's incredible. It really is. Last tip for me, Kurt, my favorite tool in the world, Levelator. Yes. Yes. It's, it's unfortunately discontinued, but it's a great little tool. You can still find it. Right. The development is no longer happening, but it's still available for download. And this allows you to put a, a wave file, and there's maybe one other audio format. You cannot do it with MP3s, but it takes a, a wave file, .wav, and it will even out the audio. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. And sometimes it elevates things that you didn't want elevated. But if you've got a clean file, you've done your noise reduction, you put it all in there in level later, your levels end up getting very close. And I'm realizing we're probably opening ourselves up for a big round of criticism here because, you know, we're not perfect. And that that is not by any stretch what I'm suggesting here. We are learning. And frankly, I would love to hear feedback and tips from listeners out there. But I will tell you, just based on my own subjective listen, these kinds of tools really do help the audio get better than it otherwise would be. Yeah. And sometimes people speak quietly or maybe their connection is different than the one that you're on or, you know, I'm on. So that, that little tool, that little software in just a few seconds fixes everything and makes everybody sound like they were speaking together in the same room at the same time. It's really slick. Well, Kurt, this is great. Anything else you would want to add? No, this has been really fun though. I've never done this. Uh, I don't know why you decided I could do this. <laughs> But thank you, because it's been really interesting. And, uh, you know, it's always a challenge because you never know what we're going to get every week, but it's cool. And we've done some great stuff with it. So thank you. So wait, are you saying you don't know why I asked you to be on this podcast or why I asked you to edit the podcast two years ago? Both. <laughs> <laughs> well, we used to work together, so you knew me. That's right. Kurt Milton is a longtime colleague of both John Cook and myself. We worked together at the Seattle PI newspaper. Kurt worked in a variety of roles there, copy editing, graphic design. 
I worked on the internet. I worked in the art department. I was on the team that put a new computer system in. I couldn't hold a job there. I was just bumping around all over the place. So. And, and then you worked for many years at MSN. I did. Yes, I did. And uh, retired from that. And now here I am working for GeekWire. So this is kind of a, a part-time re retirement gig. We're very grateful for everything that you do. And thank you for joining me to share some behind-the-scenes audio tips on this episode. Thanks for having me, Todd. Let's see if I can get this all edited into a single piece now. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid you'd say that. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening to GeekWire, everyone. Our podcast is edited by Kurt Milton. Our theme music is by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. To see all of GeekWire's coverage of science, tech, business, and more, go to geekwire.com. And be sure to sign up for our daily email newsletter to get all of our headlines. Kurt, I just said all of that from memory. No script. Wow. Good for you. You've learned a few things. At this point, yeah. shouldn't I know it? You should. You wrote it originally. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm Kurt Milton. Thanks for listening to GeekWire. <laughs>